Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. You'll, you'll love this, Nux. In my last season, I played 22 of 82 games, and I wasn't injured. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, All right? I just wasn't good enough, right? Yeah. You know, Pat Quinn once asked me, he said, Wally, you're so good in the dressing room. Would you would you go to warm up and not play the game for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pay me, pay, me that, right? pay me a little extra. Pay me a little extra. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, you, sh- you should have been my agent at that point. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, welcome into the Raw Knuckles podcast. Uh, love having my former teammates, especially from that team <laughs> in 1986, where we were fortunate enough to um, win a Stanley Cup. So that's awesome. But... When I yeah. I look at you as a teammate and in retirement, there is really <laughs> not much you haven't done. We'll get back to the that part, but <laughs> you played in the NHL. You were NHL coach. You're a broadcaster. You were president of an AHL team, uh, coach, personal and business coach, leadership trainer, motivational speaker, <laughs> VP of the NHLPA. You've done it all. So when you look back. I, you yeah. know, I know probably the answer, but the, in retirement, what was the for, for you probably the most rewarding thing you have done? Yeah, thanks, Nux. Great question. You know, when you when you list off all of those things that I've done, it feels like I can't keep a job, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> you're a pain. You're a pain in the ass, Wally. Right, buddy. <laughs> to it's totally it. No. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I I mean, I'm a guy, Nux. You know me. I'm a I'm a guy that has sort of got to know himself a little bit and post post hockey. Um, I tend to be a today, tomorrow guy, right? Like, like, yeah. I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's born in me. I don't know if that's something that, you know, the NHL or my, you know, my curiosity for leadership sort of pushed me towards. So, so the reason I mentioned that is I don't spend a lot of time looking backwards. I love talking to you. Because we yeah. can look back and go, oh, yeah, remember that, you know. <laughs> but but yeah. on most of my days, I'm about, you know, producing something or adding value to people. And I, and I think that's what sort of, you know, you ask, you know, what what's the most important part for me? I think it's the aspect of adding value, right? And so I found mm-hmm. multiple <clears throat> ways to add value to people. Uh, Nux, you and I love broadcasting. We love TSN. You know, I was on Sportsnet and CBC and others, and I love that. But you know, at the end of the day, it didn't maximize the way that I could add value to people. And right now in our life, I think Jenny and I are in a bit of a sweet spot with uh, CEOs of companies across the world, right? Where we're, you know, we're we're helping them uh, develop or grow their leadership team. And Nux you know what? That's what I wanted as a young captain or a young assistant captain in the NHL. I wanted a mentor, you know, to come alongside me and sort of help me get to the next level as a leader. Yeah. So, and well, I guess maybe you didn't have that uh, because you wanted that unless you did. And I, I know at one point you did and who it was, but you know, 
in doing all those jobs, and you said, yeah, we love TSN. You love TSN. I don't love TSN. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, after being fired, Wally, because I yeah. uh, followed my my gut. And anyway, um, the, the transition from hockey, like I struggled transitioning. A lot of guys struggle. Some guys yeah. have that seamless transition out of the game. How was it for you when you finally had to step away uh, from yeah. the NHL? And and how did you how yeah. did you prepare yourself for that day? And and how difficult was it? Uh, Next, you know, uh, looking back, it looks like I was well prepared, but I wasn't. I, I was like all of us. You know, it's in my last year in Vancouver with the Canucks, I you know at the end of the season, I had the exit interview with Pat Quinn, the, the GM coach. And I said, so Pat, you know, another year. And he looked at me and he said, not with this team. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like okay. none of us, Hello. none of us are ready. Like we, we played all our lives, right? Like, I, I don't think, you know, you, 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 tr you try to take all the courses and, you know, you try to think about what's next, but, but our heart is still in the game. And, so I was very thankful, Scott Moore at uh, Sportsnet, uh, you know, sort of liked some of the interviews I did. So he put me into, into co doing color for the Canucks for a while. And that was a great transition for me. Um, but you know what, you know what I think drove me nuts? It was this, this big thread that comes through hockey and life, and that's leadership. And I got curious about leadership. I, you know, you know, I love to read. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I went back to school, took a master's degree in leadership business, and, and that just sort of fueled my curiosity. Okay, so why do some teams win and why do some teams lose when they have the same skill, <laughs> right? It's always yeah. that, that ingredient of leadership, isn't it? Yeah, there's no question. You got to have good leadership, and just having, you know, played with having the the pleasure and and uh, enjoyment I had playing the game. But that leadership part, when being around like a guy like Bob Gainey, uh, yeah, and um, being able to um, look to him to. Um, be, be a guy to follow and to to yep. try and emulate in ways, and it, it really helped me. So when you talk about that, I looked at Bob, and I'm not Bob. I loved some of the things he did, but who was your role model when you you yeah. know you looked at leaders when you're playing? Who was a role model for you? Yeah, you know, I, I'd point to Bob too. He was amazing. Just yeah. a, you know, but you know, and for people that you know are listening in or watching. Like uh, Bob was a quiet leader, right, Chris? Like he, he it wasn't yeah. like he was in your face. Bob could get in your face. He had a will. The thing I love about Bob is, you know, I remember some sleepy nights, you know, we wouldn't be playing great. I remember a night in Long Island. We weren't very good. Uh, we just, we were, we were losing and we should be winning. And Bob, I don't know who he went and fought. He picked some guy in the corner and dropped his gloves, <laughs> right? And here, and you and yeah. I are going, Bob Gainey's yeah. fighting? Like, what's going on here? You yeah, sort of he wake up. he never did that. Yeah. He never did that. And and I, I love Bob yeah. for that. He had a will. 
and he had a feel for people and a feel for the game, but he was a quiet leader. Do you know the thing I love about that team, uh, Chris Nux, is, you know, Flower, in his own way, was a special leader, right? Like like his smile. Yeah. Don't you miss his smile? Like, I miss, I miss Flower. Uh, I miss his smile. Yeah. I miss, you know, I used to travel a little bit with him down to practices and he'd take me in his Jaguar and I'd drive him down in my Honda, right? Like, uh, like uh, I just miss uh, the way that he was, he never said much, but if you watched, he, he taught you everything. Do you remember, you remember the way he would sign hockey cards? Yeah. Like, like he'd have bags, right, of hockey cards. And and he didn't get an AE, somebody yeah. else, to sign a yeah. signature. He was committed to his fans. Like, I love what I learned from Flower. I, don't you love a, a guy like Larry, Larry Robinson? Yeah. Like, you, you know, yeah. he's always having fun, always laughing. No question. And he was uh, different than Bob. When you think about what makes great leaders, what, what, yeah. what made Bob Ganey a great leader in your eyes? Yeah, I, I think I think all leaders uh, nuts have to start with curiosity. Like, if you're not aware of things, if you're not interested in learning about people and things, because we're all so different, right? Yeah, you, know, you and I yeah. love each other, but you're different. I'm different, and we have we come from different backgrounds. And if and if I don't take the time to know you as a leader, how, how am I going to get your best? How am I going to get the best out of you? And so I think curiosity is, for me, is, is sort of come to the top. Um, but there's many things. You know, John Maxwell says leadership is influence. Right? I say that one more time. Leadership is influence. And he's yeah. right. At the end of the day, I can have all these great qualities. But if I turn around and nobody's following, <laughs> I'm not leading. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I think that yeah. there's, there's a, a real... Uh, Bob, Bob had enough intuition, like he didn't, he didn't have school smarts. He had, he had, you know, on, on, on the work, on work training smarts and, and he yeah. was curious and he spent time knowing us, you know, think about all the different roommates he had. Like I remember being Bob's roommate for five or six weeks. Like that was a pleasure. Right. And he would get to know all yeah. of us a little bit. So so I think the other thing, uh, Nux, that I loved about Bob, though, is is he knew his role, and and he and he he wasn't ever bitter, like you know that he wasn't on the power play or like you know he fit in, like he was part yeah. of. And yet, when the team in like February that year that we eighty six, we weren't very good, and we had that big meeting. Like he 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 had the self image to step up and take those times. So. Leadership's a lot of things. Uh, you know, that's maybe a few things that I saw in Bob. Yeah, uh, likewise. And uh, listen, you and I uh, drafted the same year. You were drafted second overall by the Capitals. Uh, I was um, 231 overall, and you were two overall. I was proud so of you, buddy. <laughs> there was quite a bit of separation there. Um, so you go, you go uh, after playing junior, having a great junior career. Uh, you go off to Washington. Um, your second season in Washington, you're named second or third season. You were named captain of the team, youngest captain ever. Um, were you ready for that then? And when you look back at that time, 
how did you do as a captain if you could rate yourself? Yeah, down? for sure. Uh, you know, first question, no. <laughs> I wasn't uh-huh. ready. You weren't ready. I, I don't think anybody at 21, 22 is ready, right? Like, but, you know, I, I often think back, as you and I have had, you know, in retirement from hockey, we've had time to think. And, uh, you know, why did why did Abe Poland, the owner, and Max McNabb, the GM, and, you know, at that time it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, was Gary Green there? Yeah, Gary Green was the coach. Why did they pick me captain? And, you know, if you think about it, Knox, they were trying to transition to a younger group. They had a lot of 37, 36, 37-year-olds. And then number two is, and you think about this from a values point of view, for whatever reason, I sort of, you know, agreed with the values of, that the Washington Capitals were trying to institute. For example, we go into Philly and you know those days, you and I yeah. would we'd be in a, a, you know, a full out brawl. And um, I'm not, I had to score goals, I had to get assists, and I am not the toughest guy in the world. But I'm like you, if you're going to go after my guys, I'm going to go after you, right? Like, yeah. like I, I could at least take care of myself. And I had a passion for the Capitals. I had a passion for the team that we would get better. And I think that's all they saw next. Um, you know, I'm, I, I had lots of faults, lots of faults. And, you know, I was, and you know this, I was young in my, in my Christian faith and probably made some mistakes, you know, of just the way that I lived that. I don't know. I have no regrets, but. There's lots of things I would, looking back, I would do different as a leader. But, you know, uh, those are growing points too, right? When I think one of the great yeah. things about leadership is we we don't come out of the womb perfect. <laughs> yeah. Right? We, 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 we no make question. mistakes and we learn from them. And I think that's one of my greatest gifts is uh, I love screwing up. <laughs> yeah. And, and learning from it. Uh, as long as you learn from it. Uh, and you brought up being a Christian athlete. And um, and I want to touch on that. When did that start in your life, uh, being a, a Christian athlete? Was it before you got into pro hockey, or did it happen when you got into pro hockey? Yeah, thanks for that question, Nux. Um, you know, for me, yeah. like my, my mom and dad, I just lost my mom and dad in the last two years. And like they're sorry, they're the the greatest yeah thanks they're the greatest people and you know that I've ever known and and uh and they they're wonderful people and and where they they didn't mean to introduce me to God but they took me fishing every summer <laughs> yeah right and when you're when you're out in in the nature and in British Columbia fishing trout or salmon like you got to be pretty blind to not see a creation uh, so, yeah. so that started me down a road and then I had a funny experience. I have a non-religious background, never went to church. Yeah. And, uh, and then in, with the caps, uh, we had a plane flying over New York one night that, uh, that had a big dip, you know, one of those ones where you go, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, all the big guys in the back of the, the plane, the, the, the big defensemen, they were screaming out the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And for the first time in their life, it wasn't a swear <laughs> word, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I got off the plane and I just, I'm curious, like, okay, if the plane goes down, do I go up? 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, and so uh, Jean Pronovo was, was a Christian athlete on our team. And I said, Prony, you know, you know what was cool about Prony? The only reason I went to Prony is that uh, Prony had a, a really deep love for his wife, Deanne. You could see it. He just yeah. was, just loved her. And yeah. so I went to Prony and Prony said, uh, I, I said, Prony, if the plane goes down, do I go up? Yeah. And he said, he had a great answer. He said, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going, what? Like, you're not going to tell me. He, he threw me a New Testament. Find and out he for said, yourself. Yeah, exactly. You read for yourself, kid. Yeah. And and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I would recommend to everybody listening, just just give one shot, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I got confronted by the reality of Jesus, not the historic part of Jesus. Yeah. And it changed my life, changed my life. So as a young professional player, you you turned to God, you're a Christian athlete. And, um, you know, I've talked to a few players over the years about that. Um, and, and listen, to each his own. I get it. I grew up in the Catholic faith. I wasn't practicing Catholic. Uh, uh, when I got older, I, I had some issues with the church. Um, and then, um, certainly in my latter years here, I've reconnected in a spiritual way, uh, not so much to do with the church, but the God of my understanding. Now I've had different conversations with different people about that team at that time. You had about what, maybe five guys that were Christian athletes at that time. Yourself, Prony, and a few other guys. Yeah, yeah. Did you, Mike Gardner? Yeah, Mike Gardner. Do you think that affected the the psyche of the team? Because we all we, we heard it, and it, it was talk around the league: the Christians sure. and the Lions, and and it's yep. not good for team atmosphere. Do you think it had a negative a negative effect on that team as a whole? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. If you look at output. Uh, and this is where Knox, I probably was, you know, young in my faith, probably made some mistakes, right? Like I, I have no judgment for anybody. I don't judge you. I don't judge the, yeah. the players on that team, yeah. but all of a sudden they saw me different. And, and I don't know why, like part, part of being a leader is, is this word. And it's a, it's a hard word. It, the word is credibility. And, and within every culture, we have different ways of uh, showing off our credibility, right? Because credibility is interesting. Uh, once I do what I do and I say what I say, credibility lives in your mind about me, right? Yeah. I lose it. And, and so your perspective <clears throat> about me is, is the credibility that I have with you. And, you know, at the time, uh, the guys, uh, the, especially the older guys on the team, you know, Bobby Kelly and others, they had a very different context of how a dressing room should run. You know, in the day, and I say this carefully, uh, you know this, Nux, that's the way we, we did our, our business. I mean, a team meeting at the bar was 10 beers, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like that used oh, to yeah. be a team meeting. And if you didn't do that, then you weren't part of the team. So I yeah. think there was a transition in Wash, sort of getting away from the 10-beer team, uh, uh, team meeting and, and focusing on, A lot of the Christian you know, guys didn't. The Christian yeah, guys yeah. didn't partake in that. 
basically. Exactly. Like, you know, I might have a beer or two, but I, I'm not, my goal was not to get hammered every night. Right. And I think there was a transition that the older guys in the team didn't like to see because that hadn't been the way they went. And there was a new transition. It wasn't just the Christian guys. It was younger players yeah. wanting to uh, win some games. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I take some yeah. blame there. I take some blame there. I was learning. And I think okay. what I've learned over the years is, is you know, a little bit like your relate, our relationship. I don't jam anything down your throat. I, I respect your Catholic background and I respect where you're no. at. Right. And, and, and I, and I don't judge you, you know, you and God have a relationship. God and I have a relationship and that's, that's how we're going to work. If you ever have a question and you phone Wally up and say, Hey, I got a question. I'm happy to help. So I think that in the early days, there was a perception that went across the league that was very much different than what I thought was happening in that dressing room. If you're like me and you're going to play some golf this summer, you have to check out this hidden gem. Windmill Heights sits atop the beautiful hills in Notre Dame de Il Perot. They have affordable rates and they offer customized membership opportunities for all levels. If you want to book a tee time, call 514-453-7177. Hit them straight. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's Raw Nux, R-A-W-K-N-U-X. So it's funny, and I had Stu Grimson on, Christian athlete, um, and just a, a really wonderful guy. I, I love Stu Grimson. You know how tough guys, they get tagged with that moniker of being a big dummy, and, and Stu is so far from that. He's a, such an intelligent, bright, well-spoken uh, person. And... He said one of the things uh, he got questioned about all the time was, uh, you know, you play such a violent game, but you're a Christian. You know, you're dropping your gloves, you're beating people up. How can you say you're Christian if you're doing that? Did you have to deal with any of that during your career? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. And and that was the question that I got Bible bash. uh, Yep. Right, yeah, Bible sure. bash, uh, all the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nux, you'll love this, though. I used to go into Philadelphia and Clark and all the guys there, you know, I'd skate by their bench. And normally they'd tell me to <laughs> F off, Walter. I'd skate by their bench after, I don't know yeah. how they knew I was a Christian, but they'd say, well, Walter, go read your Bible. I thought it was an upgrade, Nux. It was an upgrade. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was. So, all right, so you, you have those years as a captain. You have very productive years in Washington. You know, your best year, 38 goals. Like, you could put the puck in the net. You're great in the face-off circle. You hit like a truck. I know because I was on the receiving end. I remember mm-hmm. uh, Brian Murray used to say, hey, Nyland, try Ryan Walsh you know, and I'm like, oh, and he was funny. He'd be, he'd be right oh, up yeah, my yeah. butt 
all the time. Yeah. Try Walter. <laughs> anyway, um, so you end up being part of a um, uh, a big trade. Uh, the first round overall pick in Washington, Rick Green. The second overall pick, Ryan Walter, going to Montreal for Langway, Engblom, um, who else? Lachlan. Jar- Jarvis, Lachlan. Jarvis. Yep. Right, four yep. players for for you too. Now you come this way. How? Um, <laughs> w- listen, when I got traded from Montreal, it almost broke me. Yeah, I was so passionate. I love the organization. But now you're leaving Washington, coming to Montreal, but you still get traded. Did you feel a sense of failure? Do you felt like you failed at your mission in Washington? And and here I am. They're getting rid of me after. Four years, five yeah. years, whatever it was. Yeah, Knox, you you nailed you've nailed it. Isn't it funny when we get traded? We always look at at who traded us and why why would they trade us? And we very seldom yeah. pause and think somebody else wanted us, right? Like you right? don't look that way. Yeah. But you know, I'll I'll never forget the headline when Rick Green and I landed for training camp uh, after the trade uh, in the Montreal Gazette. The, I think it was Red Fisher, my buddy Red, your buddy Red, yeah. had this big headline, right? Worst trade in NHL history. <laughs> and and that was the headline. And they should have had a little byline. Welcome, Wally and Greener. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. So, so not, it's a signature piece that I talk about with leaders now. Words count. And for the next month, I completely lived the headline. I underperformed. I had to learn about my own mental toughness. I had to learn how to shift my thinking. And I think that for me is the great gift that professional sport gives to professional business. And so Jenny and I are coming out with a new book. You're going to love it. Uh, It's called Breakout. And it's on the six mindsets that actually um, deliver the performance that we have at any point in our life. And I just really learned some lessons there. Boy, I I took it all in. All of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm happy to be in Montreal, but not really because I hadn't finished my job in Washington. And I yeah. knew I was under a lot of pressure in Montreal. You know, one of the great gifts that, that Montreal gave me early on, Nux, uh, you know this, uh, is, is Flower. Gila Fleur was my roommate for the first couple months. That yeah. was such a gift, right? Like he, he was, he's over smoking his cigarette over by the, 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 you know, over by the window, the cracked window. And he's, he's saying, sorry, Wally, sorry, Wally. I'm going, Flower, you can do anything you want. You're Guy Lafleur. Come on, you know. And But just to be able, he settled me down, yeah. right, to, to watch him deal with pressure and and to understand, you know, how, how I'd already learned how to be a player at the NHL level. I had 38 goals that year. But I, I hadn't yet learned how to be a professional at yeah. the NHL level. And, and Flower and Bob and, he, and, uh, and Larry Robinson and others, you know, taught me that. You know, it, 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 it's great that you, you say that and you recognize that. And uh, I think back and we talk about leadership, Bob Ganey and Flower and Larry. You know, I remember and you were there then and um, – I'm no, it was early, it was before you were there. I remember um I had like Bob Berry was our coach. I had like three nights three fights the night before. And the next day in practice, 
I mean, I was sore. I was hurting. And he skated me like a dog, laps. And uh, I was pissed. Yeah. I was pissed. And I came to practice the next day, and I had a friggin' face on like you wouldn't believe. I wanted him to know I was pissed <laughs> off. I yeah. wanted everybody to know I, I was pissed off, right? We yeah. have our bad days, right? But I wanted everybody else to feel what I was feeling. And, you know, immature and self-centered, obviously, because I was worried about me and the way I felt. Like, you know, here I am sticking up with my teammates, doing what I'm doing, and you treat me like this. I was appalled. Anyway, Bob skated up to me, and he said to me, Chris, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm fucking pissed off. You know, I, last night I fight three times. He skates my ass off like that. He said, come on. He said, you don't realize how much you being like this affects other people in a negative way. Like yeah. this team on this ice, you, you, you can't come out here like this. You know, you're yeah. usually out here laughing, joking, and working your butt off, and you come like this, it has a neg yeah. neg negative effect on everybody. It, it was the best piece of advice I had early in my career. And, yeah. and so good. you know, when you uh, obviously come here, you bolstered our team up front as far as size. We needed size and some talent, and you certainly were that. Um, um, so you get settled in. It was nice that Greeny was with you to come here. I'm sure that was yeah. comforting in some aspect. Um, did you have any uh, trepidation uh, when you were thinking about coming here now? You're leaving a team with some Christian athletes. You're coming to one, and, you know, probably yeah. a lot of guys are going to – everybody's going to know, oh, here comes the Christian. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, Nux. It's a great question. I didn't. I – I had so much respect for you guys. Uh, and, you know, my goal is just to fit in, be a good teammate, you know, have your back. Like, you know, that was my goal. Um, but, but lots, lots of, lots of little things, you know, like, like you'll, you'll laugh at me. I mean, you know, this, you and I had a conversation when, you know, when flower uh, retired, I mean, uh, you know, the, you told me it was awesome. We had a great conversation that, you know, yeah. the retirement parties at the Shea and, and that, yeah. it's one of the, one of the things that it, it's still today. I wish I, I could have been at that party, but I just, I, for me, it was a values thing, right? Like for, yeah. for Jenny and I and my faith, yeah. and you know that, like my heart was totally with being there. And yet, you know, those are, it, it's interesting, the decisions that we, we make along the way that that are not right they're not wrong but but it's it's who we are at the time and so yeah. no i i didn't have any problem with anybody on the team it was wonderful i i am so thankful for our time you know that you and i had in montreal and jenny and i had you know four of our five kids in montreal and you know actually i got a great story for you you're gonna love this i don't think i've ever told you so i'm i'm in my last season now and uh and bernsey is awesome. Like Bernsey yeah. and I'm at the end of my, my time with Montreal yeah. and, and Bernsey's in a hard position because he's, tr he's got to pull back my ice time, you know, and give it more of it to the young guys. And none of us like that. No. So I'm trying to be a, I'm trying to be a really good leader. I'm trying to be a really good team player. And it was a hard year. 
So, uh, so, uh, you know, end of the season, uh, Donna Stewart calls me and says, uh, Hey, Ryan, uh, uh, Serge would like to have a coffee with you. <laughs> oh, Ooh, really, Donna? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> cappuccino or is it, is it <laughs> yeah. black with no sugar? <laughs> what, what, what do you think's coming? So, oh. so, so Serge is awesome. I loved my uh, time with Serge and my meetings. Wasn't he great? Uh, and I just and talked so to him Sir, yesterday for like a half uh, hour. We had a great say, conversation. Anyway, say hi. Yeah, say hi to I Serge won't. for me. So he's got the big cigar and he's got his coffee. And you know, Serge, he asks a question. Then he's really a good listener. So I'm I'm going on. Uh, and he, he turns to me after a while and he sort of gets me. He, it's totally out of the blue. He says, Wally, he said, you know, would you like to be an assistant coach on this team? <laughs> and yeah. I'm going, Serge, like right I think now? I can still, yeah, I think I can still play, you know. <laughs> he looks at me and goes, well, would you like to be an assistant GM on this team? And I go, Serge, I think I can still play. And wow. he says, Wally, would you like to scout? <laughs> and and I said, Serge, I think, and then it hit me. Okay, got it. And, he, you know, he said, where do you want to play? Yeah. And, you know, Nux, that was one of the, the – nobody knows this, but it was one of the great gifts that Sir Savard gave my family. Um, my little sister Donna had, had uh, gone through a postpartum depression after her first baby and out in Vancouver had actually jumped out of the, the, uh, the hospital window and and broke everything in her body but landed on a, br- a, a oh, little bush and, I didn't, know and that. didn't yeah didn't hurt her head and she came out of it you know broken but alive and at the exact same time Serge said to me where do you want to go where do you want to be and I said Serge I want to go home wow and and he called Berkey he picked up the phone called Berkey and they had the deal there was no deal I didn't get traded yeah. I always yeah. say to people I didn't get traded Serge just moved me yeah and that's awesome. uh, and yeah isn't that beautiful like that's for me, that that story that nobody knows next yeah. is 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 why the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I don't know where they're at now, but yeah. we're a tremendous organization. Yeah, there's no question. You know, I look at that uh, the same way. I mean, even though Serge traded me, he brought me back at the end, so I was able to start. He knew I was broken hearted over that, and yeah. he knew that for me to come full circle and retire with the big CH on my chest how much that meant to me. And it's still today yeah. when I, I think about it, but I said, you could have saved me all that pain and agony. If you just, <laughs> if you just got rid of Perron <laughs> instead of me, you should have got rid of that bastard Perron. I said, but anyway, uh, it, it was awesome. And Serge, one thing Serge, when we think about general managers and I think about the business part of it, Serge Savard's strongest point, was being able to manage people. He was a great yep. manager of people, situations, something come up, just like this one with you, you're talking about. Yeah. And he was able yep. to manage manage that situation. I truly believe, I put him in a bad situation when I have my issues with the coach. Uh, yeah. I, I, I totally understand that. But, you know, and I ought, and I've said it to Serge, and I still don't believe his answer, but he... I, I really think if his best friend didn't die the day before he traded me, that I I think he would have 
taken a step back and thought about it a little more. I think he was like, mm-hmm. I don't have time for this right now. You know, he had to bury Claude St. Jean, his yeah. best friend. Yeah. And yeah. I truly think that had an impact on him, but regardless. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that time in Montreal uh, together. And, it, you know, I remember I used to ask you questions about the Bible on the plane. And, uh, you know, we'd joke <laughs> around, we'd talk. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, but I, 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 like many other players on that team, totally had respect for you as a person and um, certainly a player, but a person even more. You, to me, you were really one of the, the, the nicest men I've ever met in the game of hockey, honestly. Uh, and certainly the nicest man I ever played with in the game. There's no question about it. Um, Thank I, you. I always... Um, I always had that respect for you. And then the way you played the game. And back in those days, boy, did we need the beef. And you certainly, you were beef up front. You were awesome in the face-off circle. You did get hurt um, uh, the playoffs there for 85, 86, the Stanley Cup year. But you had such a big part of that season with all of us. Um, How was that for you? Because I know how painful it was for me when I had to sit out that last game, I had tore ligaments yeah. in my ankle and they shot yeah. me up and I, I skated and warm up and I told Serge I could go. And he said, no, no big boy. He said, your right leg can keep up with your left. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> in hindsight, I look back Wally and yeah. I, I said, Steve Rooney got in the lineup that night. He got his name on the I Stanley know. cup, which is awesome. So yeah. uh, out of the negative for me, I know it was, but at the time I had a really hard time, like sucking up that one. That was because I wanted to be on the ice with my shirt sweating. You know how difficult was it for you? Oh, nice. That's the hardest part. Like, right? Nobody. There's another. You're, you're, you're. You have such good questions, buddy. Uh, there's another, another one that you know most people, other than you guys, know. Like I, you know, I, I broke the ankle. I broke my ankle yeah. three games to go in that season, and. um and and now you know I've got a cast on it. Back in the day, they would cast it, and yeah. and I am I am as pissed off as I've ever been. Right, like I know what's going to happen here. We're on a you remember that team? We're on a real roll. Like yeah. we were feeling good. Oh my goodness, you know Boston, right? You roll in, and then Three Hartford, seven. yeah, Hartford, game seven overtime, Peppy, right? Like 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 it was just rolling. Here here's what happened to me. And I love telling this story because I think it gives people hope. Um, I didn't know how to handle that situation. I was so upset at at something that was outside of my control. Yeah. So if we're, if there was ever a time in my life where I could turn and blame God, right? Like yeah. that that was the time. Because what am I going to do? I got a broken ankle. So I went about, I remember this, I went about 10 or 11 days after that broken ankle. And I was in a big, I was in a funk. I was like, you were, you know, wanting to show everybody you're upset. And, and I, you know, I I had the pity party and I was just staying out everybody's way. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And then it hit me. And I don't know if it's a God thing. I don't, I give him the credit, but I don't know if it was just learning. Day 12, I changed. I, I made a deal with myself that I would not suck energy out of the team because I had to be around the team. I was going to yeah. be in the dressing room. I was going to be working out. And here, I don't know if you know this, Knox, I made a deal with myself 
that every time you guys went on the ice for practice and game, I, I wouldn't watch the game. I'd work out. Yeah, you're on the bike. So, uh, so I, I went on the bike. And, you know, remember the old days? They didn't have anything. I had a broken <laughs> ankle. I couldn't ride. So I, I yeah. turned the bike upside down, yeah. and I rode with my, my arms. Like, I was Popeye. I was huge. Yeah, you were yeah. huge. <laughs> you were, well, you were always big, I mean, lean. Yeah, but I was bigger. Beefy. Yeah, you did. You got big. So so the point that, you know, I think is important for the organization was uh, your point and Bob Ganey's point is, is through the difficult times, we don't suck energy out of other people, yeah. right? We go, to, we go to work. We know what to do. Yeah. And it was yeah. almost like a big slap in my face. Come on, Ryan, you know, you're a professional. You know how to do this. Go to work. So I went to work and I was ready. And, you know, Eric Lensner came to me after the uh, New York series. And now we're going to be in the Stanley Cup final. And our orthopedic surgeon, Eric Lensner, said, Wally, I've been watching your work. You're ready. I know you're ready. You're, you're unbelievable. He said, you want to take an x-ray? And I said, oh, you're such a good doctor. <laughs> and, he, and he held the x-ray up and he did what no doctor should do, right? Nuxie said, oh, darn. Yeah. And there was a slight, slight little line there. Yeah. And then he, and, and then Eric, see, you know, he's watching me. He's, I pretty much got tears in my eyes. And he says, Wally, I shouldn't do this, but do you want to try it? <laughs> I said, oh, you're such a good doctor. Yeah, right? yeah. And so lots of freezing, lots of tape. You know, the first practice, it flops around a little bit. Second practice is better. And I get a chance, Knox, to get back into that, you know, as, as I felt so bad for you, got yeah. back into the last five games. Yeah. And for me, that's a signature reminder in my, in my life. Don't be a victim, Ryan. Yeah. There, awesome. Nothing good, nothing good happens when we get into the pity party and we become a victim, right? Go yeah. to work. We know yeah. how to do this. You stuck with it. It paid off. You got in those last five games, which – Obviously, we end up uh, winning that series in the Stanley Cup. But just an incredible time in our lives. And I always feel bound together forever uh, to that group of guys. I just, yeah. you know, when you when you have share that common goal and you achieve that goal, it's just a, it's an awesome feeling. And um, yeah, I miss I miss that whole group. I'd love to be able to get them back together at some point. So that'd be fun. Before you head to Vancouver, you, you, your work wasn't done in Montreal, and um, you faced the team we beat again, uh, and Knuckles wasn't there. And um, God, I was pulling for you guys, but um, yeah, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Uh, you play the Flames again, and I, listen, you had a cup, okay? But can you imagine if you didn't, and you go that far? And you go to go and and you lose it. Like I look at the Habs a couple of years ago. They go all that way, and then you get to the end and you lose it. What a what a oh, yeah. terrible feeling. And the first time you get there, you think, "Oh, I'll be back." It's really yeah. difficult, right? How difficult yeah. was that to to swallow that pill there in '89 yeah. when when the Flames come back and and beat the Habs? Yeah, Nux, uh, hardest, hardest thing in my career. If I, if you'll allow me one regret, I've got many. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't focus on them, but, uh, that was the biggest regret. Game, game three, uh, we win in double overtime. And, and two then, one, right? you know, two to one, you two score, one, right? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. But you know, Riche gives me this beautiful little, you know, puck in the crease thing. And and I, you know, it's funny. I always say to the people in Calgary, I was in the crease. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, so it goes in. We win three, three, uh, you know, game three. And you know, Nux in my life, and I think you agree. Any any time you can get into a game four, game four of a Stanley Cup uh, final or of a best of seven series is the key game. So so all we had to do. Our why fourth, do you say whatever, that? Well, why because, do you say it's because, a key game? Because because you, you go up three one. If you yeah. win game four, we go up three yeah. one. If we lose game four, we're tied two two. For me, yeah. that's the pivotal point in a in a best of seven, right? Yeah. And and so and so the foot whatever I I don't know what if we were happy with ourselves, but the foot came off the pedal just a little bit in game four, and they were they were po'd. Their foot went down, and they beat us in game four, game five, game six, and that that was the uh, oh I don't even want to talk about it. it was, you know, the, the biggest disappointment in my professional life. Yeah, I guess. So, all right, your, your days, Montreal, over. You go to Van, um, and and how was that, I guess, the end, dealing with the end, coming that last year and then knowing that there's no more training camp next year, no more coming back to win hockey games? Well, how difficult was it for you? To yeah. know that that's uh, for, it. First of all, I, I want to thank Pat Quinn and Brian Burke. Uh, just they allowed me to get a thousand games in. That was awesome. That, I'm right. so thankful. Right? right? Like it was. It was all them. You'll you'll love this, Nux. In my last season, I played 22 of 82 games, and yeah. I wasn't injured. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, all right, I just wasn't good enough, right? Yeah. You know, Pat Quinn once asked me. He said, "Wally, you're so good in the dressing room." Would you would you go to warm up and not play the game for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pay me, it, pay, me that, right? pay me a little extra. Pay me a little extra. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, you sh- you should have been my agent at that point. So it was uh, a real joy because I got to play a little bit in front of mom and dad, and just you know got to go got to go home, got to help my my little sister. How is your um, sis, you know, by the way? Yeah, you know, thank you. Donna's doing yeah. great. She, awesome. She st- still struggles with depression. I, I love her so much. She, she's had a hard life, yeah. but uh, but she's she's hanging in. And but you know, I got a chance to meet a bunch of new people, right? Like uh, roomed a lot with Trevor Linden. We talked a lot about leadership. A lot about you know how do you how do you run a dressing room? How do you things I'd learned from Bob Gainey and others in the NHL. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I mean, at the end of our career, you know, we, Jenny and I wanted to grow our kids there. And so uh, little Emma comes along. She's our little gift, you know, yeah. our fifth child. Yeah. And, uh, and we just got into broadcasting, got into business, went back, you know, from there, sort of the, I think the key signature piece was I went back to school at 45 and did the master's degree in leadership. And that really set up the rest of our life. I can't believe, Nux, that you and I are a young 65. Right, right, Wally. <laughs> um, so it's five children. It's four boys? Uh, three boys, two girls. Th- three yeah. boys, two girls. And, yeah, you started off with three boys, didn't you, right off the hop, wasn't it? Uh, we had Christy. No. So Christy was born in, in uh, the year we won the Cup in 86. Oh, okay. so, and then yeah. the three boys, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was going to say. 
Takes a man to make a man, Wally. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, God, it, time time does fly. And I remember Big Larry coming to the locker room one day, and it was after practice, and uh, I was sitting there and I was joking and laughing, and he's standing right up above me, and it was like my it was like my first full year, so my second year. And he's looking down at me, smiling, and he goes, you're having fun, aren't you? I go, yeah, I am. He, he said, well, enjoy it because it's going to go like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And did you yeah. find that it just flew like it flew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, huh? Crazy nuts. For you and I, you know, I think the one thing, we, we share a lot in common. The one thing that, that I love about you in many things, but is passion. And mm-hmm. you and I are passionate people, and and when we have a cause or a team, right? We 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 personalize it. We take it on. It's ours. Yeah. And and I think I think that's what what I I really look back and loved about the NHL. But what I didn't love is how quick it went. Yeah. Like it was, you know, boom. You know, all of a sudden I'm I'm in Pat Quinn's office saying, "So another season, Pat?" And you know, uh, he goes not with this team, and that was it. Right. Yeah. And now yeah. the rest of our lives come. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful, you know, for all of us and for all of our transitions. And, you know, you, you look at a guy like Larry Robinson, I'm amazed at him. Yeah. Like he's been, you know, a coach, assistant coach, uh, you know, helping organizations for like a hundred years now. <laughs> yeah. And his energy, right. His energy to keep doing that has been amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Goes quick. I was just with uh, Larry a couple of weeks ago. We went to, they have a concert out here every year um, and the Starlight Foundation. And, and uh, I went out with Larry there and we watched the concert. Rick Green was with us. We had, we had a nice time. It was great to see those guys. And it's, it's crazy. When I came in, I looked at Larry as an old guy and I think he was yeah, 28. Yeah, he was yeah. 28. <laughs> I mean, he's I an old man, right? He's old, he's old <laughs> right? Oh my God. Now, um, this is a story I remember distinctly. Uh, we're in the Boston Garden, and I'm on the bench, and I see you uh, in the face-off circle. You go up against O'Reilly, and you end up in a fight with him. And you drop the gloves, and um, all of a sudden you let up on him, and his shoulder come out of the socket. He screamed, right? Tell the story. Tell the story if yeah. you can for our listeners. Yeah, and, and you this know, is incredible actually, because I think I would have, yeah. <laughs> I would have taken advantage of it. <laughs> well, you know, and, I think please, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You're there was always honor. Yeah, yeah, you, but but you were a guy of honor. You you would have yeah. done the same thing. Uh, you know, um, Terry. Uh, I mean, one of the toughest guys in the NHL for sure. Um, and and I always had a lot of respect for him. Um, and, and let me just say this before I forget to say it. If you ever see Terry, I don't, I don't know how to get a hold of him. I would love to connect with him and just, and just share, you know, life a little bit because, you know, he's been through hard times too, like you and I, Yeah. Here, here's what happened. So, so it was a bit of a funny story. Like we're, we're in the last game of the season, as I remember it. And, and we're going to play Boston. How many times in the 80s did we play Boston in the first round? Like, oh, it's crazy. like you, you and Jay Miller, how many yeah. times did you two dance? Like, yeah. that was unbelievable, yeah. right? So, so, so we're in Boston, the last game of the season. We're going to play in Boston the first round of the playoffs. I mean, we're not stupid. We, yeah. we know what's coming, uh-huh. right? 
So in the first period, I get in the scrap. I don't even remember who it was, but some big idiot came after me. Second period, another big monkey came after me. So I'm, I've already got two scraps. And, yeah. and now what happened was my, my shoulder got hit by one of the players and my stick turned and hit Terry O'Reilly in the top of the head. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't have a helmet on. You did that so, on purpose, he said. He yeah, thought. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, Wally, we got to go. And and I'm thinking I'm hoping it's like to Starbucks or maybe <laughs> Tim Hortons. But no, it's not. no, 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 no. <laughs> and and you know, Nux, I'm not a very bright guy because I know he's left-handed. Yeah. But it's just when the lefts start coming, you're not ready for them. No, right? you're not. I, so if, I if got you look that at lesson. that, if you look at that at that uh, fight on on uh, I don't know YouTube or somewhere, I'm taking them. And then we go down. And for the first time in my professional career, I'm on top. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I'm on top and I am going to, I am going to get the best punch of my NHL career on the toughest guy in the NHL. He's not moving. (laughs) And, and he looks up at me, he says, well, he said, my shoulder's up. And I I looked down at Terry and I said, no problem. Taz, (laughs) I'm tired anyway. (laughs) Right. Like, And and so I got off him. Now I you know so that. so yeah, so there's there's honor in our game. But yeah. you know, here's here's what happened. I don't know if people know this, is about two years later, uh Nate Greenberg. You remember him? He was a yeah, PR guy I from remember the Nate. Boston. And I know this yeah, story, Nate. but you gotta tell it. Yeah. And and he so he calls he calls Jenny and I. Uh, he calls me on the phone and he, and he says, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, Friday night, you, I got, I've got tickets for you and Jen. You're coming to Boston Friday night. And I go, what? The Canadians traded me and they forgot to tell me. And he said, no, no, no. He said, we'd love to have you. He said, but, uh, it's Terry O'Reilly's retirement party. And, and he wants you and Jenny to come as the only non Bruins. That's unbelievable. I, I heard that story and I'm like, I, it's unbelievable. And you know, and and I suppose if that never happened, would he have invited you? I don't know. I right? don't think so. No. Yeah. Right. No. no. And that I I heard that, and I'm like, man, that's so big. It was big of you to do what you did, but well, even him, big of him to count you in. You said, that's huge. Yeah. To, to have yeah. you there, that, I think that was so cool. Yeah. Um, so, couple things I, I wanted to talk about that. Um, some of those lessons um, that um, you learned in the game, um, how do you apply hockey lessons, that leadership part, how do you apply those to the real world? Yeah. In, in real Every world situations. That's... Yeah. Do you, do you know, I did one thing right. One, I mean, I did a lot of things right. I married the right girl. <laughs> she, Jenny puts up with Jenny. me. She's amazing. Yeah, She's amazing. She but, but, you know, I don't know if you know this. Early in my NHL career, I had no idea why I did this, but I started to journal. So I would, I would sometimes be up, you know, sitting at breakfast before everybody else, and I, and I'm, and I had this little journal. I had this pen, and I just write down ideas, and I'd write down stories. And am I ever glad I wrote the stories down? Because all of those stories I now use corporately, and we, wow. we you know, so that story there of, of Terry O'Reilly. Like yeah. I remind leaders that, that, you know, when you have a great organization, it's just, it's defined by the honor that you give each other. 
And honor very seldom happens when things are good. Honor happens in the fights of our life, right? Yeah. It's when we honor each other. So, so next, my, my goal is to try to take the metaphor from the game of hockey and, and actually, you know, take the principle out of the metaphor and allow people to apply it in their business or in their life or in their marriage. And, and so that's been, I've really enjoyed that because it takes me back into the stories of our game. So, the, the, and I, I, I love what you said there um, in those metaphors, just say some of those things we hear in the game, um, step on their neck, kick them when they're down. <laughs> In the game of hockey. (laughs) Now, do you apply those in the real world? Those (laughs) metaphors? Or what if what what if you're talking to someone they say, Hey, in business, I gotta give it to the next guy and 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 you know, I'm 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 here to make money. I'm not here to be nice. I'm gonna screw the next guy. How how do you deal with those kind of situations? Number one, Nux, uh, we do a little bit of a, a pre-brief with most of our clients. And, and one of the key elements is their, is their value statement, right? Yeah. So if, if a company has values that say, you know, screw everybody, yeah. uh, we're going to know that up front. And we're either going to deal with the client and try to change that or no. Because what, what most, what most uh, organizations know and what NHL teams know and what companies know is short term is screwing everybody and screwing your employees and you know turning the gun. Long term growth comes comes from having the ability to to really bring people along and being being part of the organization like you and I remember with the Canadians. Oh yeah. So yeah. so I think I think that when you hear that language, there's a little um, uh, an author I can't remember the name of the author, but they said this: that language defines reality. So the language that we use defines the life that we live. And so, you you know, Jenny and I listen in a lot. We also teach that statement, that idea to leaders. What are you hearing? What are you listening into? Because you need to know your culture. And then you need to, you know, one conversation at a time, you need to shift your culture towards what you want and away from what you don't want. And I think you and I learned that in, you know, in Montreal. Yeah, there's no question about it. In Montreal, did we learn that? And the culture was such that, uh, boy, it's, it had that such a family type atmosphere. And and certainly in today's game, when you think about it, and we're not there, but from looking at it from the sidelines, um, you know, the the it, it's difficult difficult to recreate that type of culture because of the pre-agency and the way guys move. Like we were together for a while. Yeah. There was some, you know, we have one maybe rookie coming in a year. And then maybe if there was a trade, we had a new guy, but for the most part, the core of that team stuck together for a long time. And yeah. And man, that's, that's where you really get that tightness, that family type of bond. And, and we certainly had it. it, it was so awesome to be part of something like that. Yeah, incredible yeah. stuff. So, you know, segueing into today's game and looking at the game today, um, yeah, you know, w- what are some of the major differences in today's game from our game? Okay, we know the fighting part of it when, as far as yeah. you're looking at it. And, and what is 
What is something today's game could use from what we had back then? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'm I'm watching like you, and I think what you said is really important, uh, and fans need to know this is is you and I are not in the Montreal Canadiens dressing room right now, yeah. so we have no idea what the culture looks like. We have no idea what the relationships look like unless you're in the dressing room. Yeah, you don't you know. know. I, I say that all the time to people. Right? They say, well, how come, how come the Canucks aren't winning? And I, I just say, I don't know. Right? I, I don't know who they are. But I, I think next there's, there's – there's, so, the, so the game has changed. The speed has increased. The fighting's reduced. There's lots of things that we can point to. But you know what's beautiful is, is that the, the skill has maybe increased or changed, but the principles don't change. See, that's what's beautiful about high performance and leadership, right? It – the principles that worked in the 80s and the 70s and the, and the 90s are going to work today. And, and so those principles, like, like the values of Bob Ganey, right, the way that Bob Ganey treated people, right, the way that Bob, you know, interacted and created a culture. You know, I'm not just pointing at Bob. We're not trying to blow yeah, smoke no, at Bob. but he was it, a it was every, great, great leader. Yeah. Right? And, you know, if you, if you think about it, everybody in that organization did, did something to help create the culture. You know, a guy that very gets very seldom gets any credit is Ron Corey, like yeah. Ron Corey, you know, like he, he, uh, think of the poinsettias that he used to send our wives at Christmas, yeah. Yeah. right? Like they weren't just a little poinsettia knocks. Like it, no. it was the whole door. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was huge. And, and, and so our wives look forward to that every Christmas, every Easter, like it was, if they were going to do it, they would do it right. Yeah. And I think that the way that they took care of our wives and our families was an indicator, right, of how they're going to take care of us. So I think those, my point is that those principles, glean the principles, wipe, you know, yes, the game's changed. But, you know, people haven't changed that much. I mean, yeah, there's woke this and there's this, this. And, but the, the core heart of man has not changed. And those are the, the, the things that I think that should be focused on independent of who you are in a dressing room today. Um, hey, hey, let's think of this for a minute. Look, look, we saw the salary structure and the way things were back when we played. We didn't get paid a lot of money. We were doing a hell of a lot better than Rocket and John Bellow on them. But compared to today's game, the salaries are different. Do you think – looking at today's game, that, I mean, I, I get it. Like, some guys, they they have such great careers. They get to that 27, 28, and they get a seven-year contract for this crazy money. And maybe two, three years later, the wheels kind of start to fall off, and the team gets stuck paying this money, right? Um, do you think today's players, they get paid, they get too much too fast, and and that has a negative effect on them at, at maybe in some way maybe next yeah you think you, it you can, know because remember how uh, we had the it was like you're clawing and digging for every dollar in your contract yeah. and and I'm not saying these guys don't deserve it it's the salary structure and stuff today and fine get the money I get that but do you think some of them get it too much too fast and it hurts yeah maybe. Yeah. Maybe for sure, but but maybe maybe that would have happened when you and I played too. I mean, who who knows yeah. the heart of man? 
I'll give yeah. you a, a fun one. You know, uh, I'm out, I'm sitting outside here of uh, Harry and Sons. My buddy Troy is my barber, and uh, cool. he's a good guy, and he loves hockey, and he loves the Oilers. And he said this to me today, and maybe this is what where you're going. He said, I can't imagine living in a world where Connor McDavid doesn't have a Stanley Cup reign. <laughs> think, right. think about that. Yeah. But here's, a, here's, a, here's maybe the best player in the league today. And, and Will, like, like the other thing I wonder, Nux, is, is in the construct of teams, I think sometimes um, organizations, for whatever reason, they don't mean to, but they actually teach young millionaires how to lose, not how to win. And, and right? how, because do they, you, how, how do they do that, though? So well, it's, we it's momentum. That. I want to know that. It's yeah, it's momentum. Like like if you don't find a way to win early, you actually sort of get uh, apathetic about winning, and and losing is okay, right? Yeah. Like it's oh wow, we didn't make the playoffs. Oh wow, we lost in the first round. Like you know, in in eighty nine when when we uh, lost to Calgary, the whole province went into mourning. Like we were idiots. We were awful. I'm not saying you should do that, but I think you do as organizations today need to be really focused on finding little tiny pieces of the, of the way you're playing to, to actually teach people how to win and not allow them to lose. It's funny you say that because I'm going to go back to our old boss and my old teammate, Serge Savad, um, last year. We were talking on the phone, and he said, did you go to the game last night? And I said, no, I wasn't there. He said, well, I was there. They lost 7-1. And I walk out of that building, and I'm going, and I see everybody. They were happy. No one was, all the people were, like, happy. Like, and, you know, his point being, like, the fan base it seems like they're they're just okay with losing now, you yeah, know. Yeah. And it was never that way. It was never yeah. that way. Is that society? Is it, you know, all these people now who just haven't experienced what that was like to be have a team that won every year was yeah. up there in the standings was in the playoffs every year. I made the playoffs twelve or thirteen years. One year I didn't. We lost on the last day when I was in the Rangers. Yeah, like. Yeah. Okay. There's a few more teams, but still, it was still difficult to make the playoffs back then. You know, maybe not as difficult as today, but you know. So, so I, I think we're coming a bit, bit of full circle. And you've had brilliant questions and comments well, and thanks. ideas, buddy. Yeah, and and I think full circle because I think what can happen today, and this is the heart of man, right? Is is it's easy to blame. So if I'm a player that loses a game seven to one, um, I can turn to the GM and I can blame the GM. I can say, you know, we don't have enough talents on our team to win. Yeah. And how many times do you hear that? You hear yeah. it from oh, yeah. agents, you hear it from, right? And then, and then I can certainly blame a Canada and Montreal and Edmonton and Toronto. Okay. So there's way too much pressure to play my best game. Come yeah. on. Yeah. And, yeah, and so yeah. Here, here's where, here's where we come full circle. Next is people have a choice and players have a choice in our game to become victims or victors. Yeah. That that for me 
is the defining piece of your life. You can have a billion dollars when you retire, but but ha- are you are you going to win the rest of your life, or are you just going to be a victim and say, oh, you know, the government screwed me, yeah. right? Like like yeah. it's an attitude that is a projection attitude. of the right. rest of their life. Yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, that's good stuff. So Wally. Thousand games in your career. If you were a scout, for the people who don't know Wally, <laughs> how would you describe Ryan Walter? Now we hate oh, talking about ourselves and how oh, we were, but how would you describe oh, Ryan Walter if you were the scout? Do you know? Do you know? Uh, before my dad passed, Nux, and he was the hockey guy in our family, and. And I, you know, we used to watch, you know, Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, come on. You know, my dad played a little bit and uh, was my coach throughout minor hockey. And you know, you know what my dad used to say? And he said this a thousand times, and I, it was never about me. But he said it about players, you know, Dave, Dave Keon in the day. And, and he would say this. He said he was an honest player. Yeah. There and I go. think that's probably what I wanted to be if, if – you know, um, there's this, you know, the scouts will, you know, they're, let's say you got a scout up in Chattagay and he's looking at a player and, and scouts and, you know, the hockey lingo uses this term. And, it, and, it, and basically, I love the term, but it's not flattering. And that is, um, you know, he, he comes to play. Comes to yeah, play. I like that. I like that. Honest player, and he comes to play. Um, and we're gonna wrap this up shortly. I and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. We're talking about leadership, and and we talked about Bob Gainey being a great leader. You were a great leader on the ice, uh, and, and and a great teammate. Um, what coach, when you look back in your career, was a great leader? Because some of them aren't. Let's face it; they might be coaches, but some of them aren't. Uh, and and are coaches just important as leaders as players are, or or not so much? Yeah, yeah, totally. The whole the whole organization, like Chris, what we love with what we do now is it's leadership capacity. It's it. We don't grow the leader, the one guy at the top, yeah. right? It's the leadership capacity of the organization. So. So, you know, I remember with the Canadians, I mean, at one point, I think, we, you know, Bobby Smith had been a captain. I had been a captain, a whole bunch of guys. You know, you were a leader. There, throughout the organization, we had about, you know, six or eight guys that had a letter on their shirt at one point. And so it's the capacity of leadership in an organization that really helps. Absolutely. So my favorite coach, uh, you know this, Knox, we've talked about it, was, was Jacques Lemaire. Yeah. And, and Jacques and I just got along so well. Like, I... See, I'm. I wanted to. I was always curious, and I wanted to know why. And, and Jacques he would was one tell of those you, guys. Right? Yeah, yeah, like he could tell you why. And yeah. you know, Nux, what hit me the other day? I'm, I'm talking to somebody, and I said, you know, in '86 when we won that Stanley Cup, I give Jacques Lemaire the credit, and I'll tell you why. I'm not taking anything away from Jean, but I'll tell you why. Because years before we ever got in the Stanley Cup final, Lemaire drilled us to be stick on puck. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, Every yeah. single practice. Yeah. You know, he said, yeah, get your hit. Get your hit, but don't let the puck go by you. Get your stick in the in the passing lane. You know, I watch hockey now, nuts. Yeah. 
and I can I tell people there that's why they lost. Yeah. They, they yeah. got how many hits? They got they got twenty five hits, but the puck went by. Yeah. And so that what I loved about Lemire is he had dissected the game in his mind into a place where he could tell us why. Right? Like do this, get your stick in front of the puck. And so I go, well, well, Jacques, like what the heck? Like why? How come I can't get the big hit? He says, well, he get the hit. He said, but take away the pass first. <laughs> My favorite coach. Yeah, me too. And and I, you, what you're saying right there, I can give you three quick instances. He took me down the net. Like Claude Rell worked with me, fundamentals. He was incredible. I love that man. Loved yes. him. And Lemire came in and he helped me refine things. And he would bring me down the net. He put like 25, 30 pucks there. And he'd say, okay, forehand, backhand, forehand, backhand. And yeah. why why are you doing this, Chris? Because you're going to be in front of the net in the game, and they're going to be rebounds, and you're going to have to get the puck up over the goalie. He's going to be yeah. down. Yeah. Okay, thank you for telling me that. Then he'd take me in the center ice circle, and he'd make me react to the puck, forehand, backhand, pass it to him, right? He said, why are we doing this? Because you have to be able to pivot good. You've got to be able to take a puck on the backhand, on the forehand. Great. And then he said, how long do you think you have the puck on your stick in the game? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm all in. I'm now all in. about a minute. He go, what? A minute? Think yeah. about it. I know. Mean, okay, maybe thirty seconds. He said, no, not even thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. He said, if you're lucky, ten seconds. If you're lucky. Wow. Wow. So, and he said, the reason why we do all these drills every day is because I want you and everybody else to be more comfortable yeah. with the puck all the time. And I never, it's everybody beautiful. always look, why are we doing this? Cause we sweat more when we do it. And we, yeah, it's harder yeah. to carry the puck. <laughs> and yeah. they, everything had a purpose. He he was like, that's in, it. In, incredible. All right. That's um, it. Max. Wally, a couple of things for one thing before I let you go, uh, give my best to Jen and kids. Everything. Thank you. you're, you're a wonderful man, wonderful human being. I love you. Um, always have, always will. Um, what's the first sentence of your eulogy? <laughs> oh, Knox, you're the best. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to leave the life honoring my Savior and adding value to people. That's cool. That's cool. And you have added um, value. Maybe before you even got to that point, you've added so much value. I know to people's lives back when we were playing, you did me. I uh, always had the uh, most uh, utmost respect for you as a person, a human being, and a hockey player. Um, first you. and foremost, though, as a, as a person, human being. And uh, you're a wonderful guy, and uh, I appreciate you coming on raw knuckles and uh well oh you know who i was with last night i think you'll like this and i had dinner with him i played golf with him the other day he had called me he's in town peter swoboda <laughs> oh how's peter doing peter's good you know yeah he, yeah we went for dinner jamie and i and his uh girlfriend last night we had a nice dinner nice. downtown montreal and um yeah pete's great uh, it was good to see well, him. And actually, he's trying to set up a golf game with myself. Nice. 
himself and Mr. Corey. So I think we're nice. going to do it next week. So nice. I will make sure to say hi to those guys for you, Wally. And yeah, uh, thanks, I appreciate thanks. you taking the time today, pal. No, my pleasure. Can't wait for our next interview. You're so yeah. good, buddy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.